Acts chapter 2. You found your place there? Verse 14 says, But Peter, standing up in the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all you that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my voice. For these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is about the third hour of the day. But this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, and on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Father, as we open your word this morning, God, I pray that you would just speak to us, Lord, through your word, God. Father, may we hear clearly what your, your will is, God, for our life today. Father, I pray that you would just remove every obstacle, God, anything that would hinder, Lord, hearing from you, God. We come against every spirit that would try to distract, Lord. We bind it in the name of Jesus, Lord, and we release right now, God, the anointing of your presence, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, I'm continuing actually a sermon that I started two weeks ago on the purpose of Pentecost, and I'm actually going to connect it with uh, Father's Day, if you can believe that. It's doable. Amen. Hey, they said nothing's impossible with God. I can do that. Right. But as I read scripture, one of the most impressive things about the Christian experience for me personally is seeing prophecy in the Bible fulfilled. That impresses me to read things that were foretold hundreds of years in advance and see it come to pass is just impressive. And I can never, I will never get beyond that. Not only that, but seeing prophecy fulfilled removes all doubt about the reality of God. I mean, for somebody to foretell something and it come to pass, there is something supernatural at work in that, right? For that to happen. Now, this Bible, in fact, since it's Father's Day, I, I, I dug out my dad's old Bible. He, he always used a Thompson Chain reference Bible. This was actually the Bible that he was given when he was ordained, to, when he was called in the ministry. He was called, in, in fact, he's got his notes in the back of when he was called. He was called in 1958. And he, he uh, answered his uh, first call to a church in uh, November the 20th, 1960. He was ordained in 1960, December the 4th, 1960. So anyway, I took my dad's Bible out and I just thought it would be neat to preach using my dad's Bible this morning, having it with me. But what you need to know is this whole book is a book of prophecy. Everything in it is a book of prophecy. It prophesies <clears throat> in many different ways what Jesus will do. It's a history book. <clears throat> the events are foretold of what God would do, how he would do it. And then it's also, uh, it gives us a historical journey of how and when those things that were foretold would be fulfilled. So everything in it is it's prophecy. It's a prophetic book. Now, much of the prophecies in it are very clear and distinct and precise in their prophecy. I pull one out for an example. Probably the, the most amazing prophecy that I've read in Scripture was in 1 Kings chapter 13. Just to give you an example, it says in verse 1, And behold, a man of God went from Judea to Bethel by the word of the Lord, and Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. Then he cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, 
O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, behold, a child, Josiah by name. Now, you, you got to picture this. Jeroboam was the king of the northern tribes of Israel. He had led the people away from God to worship pagan gods. He'd built this altar in the high places to worship pagan gods. And here comes the man of God and starts prophesying to the altar. And he says, oh, altar, altar. God is going to raise up a man by the name of Josiah. This was 430 years before that would actually take place. And in fact, God did raise up a king named Josiah who tore down all the high places and he visited that altar. And he says in verse, uh, in the end of that verse, and he says, Josiah by name, he shall be born to the house of David and on you, talking to the altar, he shall sacrifice the priest of the high places who burn incense on you and men's bones shall be burned on you. And he gave a sign the same day saying, this is a sign which the Lord has spoken. Surely the altar shall split apart and the ashes on it shall be poured out. That is impressive to me because as he stood there, as soon as he said that, Jeroboam pointed at him and said, arrest him. And his hand withered so that he could not draw it back to himself. And the altar split in two and the ashes poured off. Just like he had just prophesied. Not only that, but 430 years later, Jer uh, jo uh, Josiah was standing there and he's like, what are all these graves? I said, well, those are the bones of the prophets who worshiped here. He said, dig them up and burn them on the altar. And burnt their bones on the altar, just like the man of God prophesied. That is impressive to me. And when I see prophecy fulfilled, it just impresses me. But equally impressive is the things that's not clearly seen. The Bible is full of events that prophesy about who Jesus would be, either in an allegory or in types and shadows or some type of a metaphor or in, in, in a imagery, spiritual imagery, prophetic imagery. And it's all about what God will do. In fact, everything in Scripture is all a testimony of Jesus Christ. Everything in it. The whole book is a prophecy book about Jesus Christ. Amen? That's impressive to me. Now, with that in mind, I want us to look this morning at the purpose of Pentecost. I started two weeks ago. I talked about that. And then last Sunday, David Huffman was here from Teen Challenger. Did you enjoy that message? Brother, that guy, just I, he just had a heart for God. In fact, he, he does this thing um, called Living Free. Uh, I'm thinking very seriously about taking a group of people and going down and going through that course. Uh, because some people, as indicated, they may want to be a group leader. And the best way to know if you're going to be a group leader to teach something is go through it yourself. Amen? So anyway, that was awesome last week, but I want to just kind of pick up where I left off. I talked about the Feast of Israel and how they are prophetic images, images of Jesus Christ. Real quickly, there's seven of them. Four of them were the former rain feast talked about in Joel chapter 2. If you read the whole chapter, it talks about the former rain and the latter rain. And in the former rain, there were four feasts, the Feast of Passover, which is the shed blood on the, on the, the, the lentil and the doorpost. Jesus was our Passover. He was our sacrificial lamb. His blood applied to my heart cleanses me. Amen. 
The death angel passes me over. Second was the, the, the feast of unleavened bread, leaven representing sin. For seven days, they didn't eat any bread with leaven in it. It represents we need to get all the sin out of our life. We need to keep it out of our life. Jesus was the sinless sacrifice. He fulfilled the feast of unleavened bread. The third one was the feast of first fruits. When they came through the Red Sea and were delivered on the other side, they were the firstborn from the dead, representing dying, being buried, and rose again to walk in newness of life. Jesus did that when he went into the tomb and he came out of the tomb. Are you with me? The fourth former reign is the Feast of Pentecost. Now, the Feast of Pentecost was celebrated 50 days after they came out of the Red Sea. See, the same day they came out, they, they applied the blood, they were sinless, they came through water baptism, and 50 days later they're standing at the foot of Mount Sinai, and God came down in power upon that mountain. All right? Jesus said when he left, he said, Go into Jerusalem and tarry, and I'm going to send you the promise of the Father, and you will receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. Jesus fulfilled the last of the four former rain feasts at Pentecost. All right? We are in Pentecost right now. Because there's a long period of time between Pentecost and the next feast, which is the Feast of Trumpet. The Feast of Trumpets, is the Jews calls it the awakening blast. It's when the trumpet shall sound and the dead in Christ shall rise and those that are alive and remain be caught up in the air. And there's a long period of time between that. It's a long period of time between the spring harvest and the fall harvest. The three left is the Feast of Trumpet, the Feast of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacle. I'm not going to get into those because I'm going to move forward here. We're in Pentecost today. And out of all the things that Pentecost has come to mean, the real purpose for Pentecost can be found in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You'll receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Gabe compared it to jumping a rabbit. I've never heard it compared to that before, Brother Jake. I mean, uh, Gabe, yeah. Jump, I felt like I jumped a rabbit. Well, brother, that rabbit's getting ready to run, son. It's going to run. You got power to run right now, trust me. In fact, I, was, I picked up my dad's Bible and I picked up an article. This is an article I wrote when we first planted the church in the newspaper here. And it's taught, it says, put a song in your heart and a smile on your face. Live like an overcomer and ride God's power train. That was the article I put in the paper. And it's talking about the baptism of the Spirit. You know, I can walk on a railroad track and get to my destination. I'll get there. But why don't I get on something that has some power? Right? Why don't I ride the train and get to the destination? Right? A whole lot of people are serving God, but they're serving him in their own power. They're walking down the track. Why not get the power? Man, I'm preaching better than y'all amen in this morning. We need to get the power, amen? So anyway, <laughs> we're living in Pentecost. We're living in the time of power. And he says, you're going to receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you to be a witness unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, I know he wasn't just talking to the disciples because I've never seen Peter or John in Louisa, Virginia. Right? He's talking about you having power to come to the central Virginia area and reach people for Christ. Amen? Amen. So what is a witness? A witness, very simply, is someone that is empowered by the Holy Spirit to direct other people to Jesus. 
That's our sole purpose, is to turn people to Jesus. I don't want followers following me. I want to direct people to Jesus Christ. Amen? We need to direct people to the Lord. All right, so the prophecy of Joel, he prophesied something that I want us to focus in on this morning. He prophesied that not only would the power of the Spirit come, but he would empower you to prophesy. Let's look at it again. Acts chapter 2. Peter told him, says, you're not, they're not drunk, as you suppose, verse 15. Seeing it is but the third hour, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, old men shall dream dreams, and on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out my spirit those days, and they shall prophesy. He, he emphasized it twice, that you're going to prophesy. Now the word prophesy can mean making proclamation, means they're going to stand and proclaim the truth about the gospel, but it also can mean foretelling events that's going to happen. One of the gifts of the Spirit, because with the power of the Spirit came the gifts of the Spirit. We find them outlined in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's read that, verse 4. It says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. That's a capital S, talking about the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation, everybody say manifestation, manifestation. of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits, to another, different kinds of tongues, to another, interpretation of tongues, but one in the self-same spirit works all things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Prophecy is in that list. Prophecy is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's a part of what the Holy Spirit came to do, is for you to prophesy. Now, <clears throat> I personally was very, very skeptical about prophecy at the modern day church when I first came into the full gospel or the Pentecostal experience. I just didn't know about all that stuff. The Bible college I went to, if you can believe this, was a spirit-filled Baptist Bible college. <laughs> okay, they can do that. Hey, everybody can be spirit-filled. In fact, with the charismatic renewal, everybody, I mean, Pentecostal, uh, the Pentecostal outpouring was on Presbyterians, Methodists, Catholics, Baptists. Everybody was jumping rabbits, Gabe. <laughs> they were jumping rabbits all over the place, brother. <laughs> Amen. And it was a spirit-filled Baptist Bible college. Well, they, had, they would bring in prophets into the Bible college. And I would watch people. Because I'm an observer of people anyway, and I'm just analytical by nature, I guess. And I, I don't mean to be skeptical, but I can be very skeptical sometimes. And the way the congregation was set up, we had a main uh, room like this, and then we had a wing off to this side and a wing off to that side. And we'd always sit on that wing because down that hallway was the nursery. And we had little ones. Uh, 
And in fact, Jenny was pregnant when we first went there with our youngest son, Caleb. She was holding Nathan on her hip and Charity on her hand and one on the way, you know. So we'd sit on that side so I could kind of get a panoramic view of the whole deal, you know. Well, the prophet would be up there and at the end of the service, he would come down and stand and people would line up wanting him to prophesy over them. And that, that just didn't go with me. I'm like, you don't go up and say, okay, man of God, perform. I mean, you don't just say, okay, God, I'm going to prophesy and just start prophesying. I mean, the Holy Spirit's got to give you that. And so I'm looking at him like, I just don't know about all of that, you know. So I never would go get in that line. And part of me is like, I just don't know if I even believe that or not. And one day I'm standing over there, and it wasn't this, there was one guy they kept bringing, it was two, two or three people they would bring a lot, you know, and they really operated in the prophetic realm. But there was a guy that was on staff there, and he was a, just a genius. This guy could read the Greek New Testament like reading the Richmond Times Dispatch. He was just smart, you know. In fact, he taught me introduction to, to Greek and, and I learned how to quote the Greek alphabet, and I could impress you saying alpha, beta, gamma, delta, epsilon, all right, tuta, upsilon, and omega. I could just impress you. I know how to speak Greek. No, I don't. I know the Greek alphabet. All right. But this guy was amazing, you know, and, but he was the geekiest little guy you've ever seen. I mean, he was just, he was geek to the 10th power. You know, he's nerdy, little bitty guy. He's like... Alex talked about it, said he was little, but he was a powerful man of God, you know. One day he comes over there and he just put his arm around Jeannie's shoulder, put his arm around my shoulder and stuck his head right between us and started reading my mail, brother. He started telling me things about myself that nobody knew and started telling me what God was going to be doing in our life. And I'm like, wow, that is impressive. Nobody, nobody could know that without God's telling them those things. And there were some other things. I, I, I was at, at, in my same little spot one day, and we were lifting. I used to be muscular, believe it or not. I'm a scrawny little dude now. But I was working out three days a week, and I, the guy I was working out with went over to this guy's house, and he had a gym in his garage, and he didn't go to church at all. We kept telling him, come on to church, come to church. Well, it was a Thursday night deal, and Alan Arrowwood, the prophet, was going to be there, and he, his mom, and I don't know, there's a couple other people came, and they sat right over here. And so I knew he'd never been in that church. I knew this man had never met him, right? And so at the end of the service, I'm watching him, and he, he tells that guy to stand up. And so it's our friend that we invited. He stood up. I'm like, all right, this ought to be good. He said, you got a brother named Martin or Marty. Now, how did he know that? How did he know that? He said, and there's some kind of division between you, but God says if you will turn your heart over to him and get right with God, he will heal the relationship between you and your brother. Just like that. Bam. I'm like, all right. The litmus test, this is the litmus test, brother. This is the real deal or it's not. Well, sure enough, he had a brother named Martin he hadn't spoken to in years. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Really? Really? I was at, I took this guy, you don't mind if I just go down a memory lane here for a minute, do you? I drove this guy to a meeting one night, me and my wife and him and his wife. We're sitting in Shoney's now in a town that he didn't even, he never even been there before. We're sitting in Shoney's and the waitress comes walking up. Getting ready to take her order, this young lady, and he looks at her and he says, God said to tell you that he's going to be getting out soon and he's going he's to heal your, your relationship. 
This woman started bawling. And she was crying so hard she had to sit down in the booth behind us. I'm like, what? You're kidding me. Well, her husband was incarcerated. He's going to be getting out soon. And God spoke to this prophet to tell this woman that he cared enough about her that he wanted to heal her relationship if she would just get her heart right with God. I'm like, okay, I'm convinced. People do prophesy in the world today. Amen. Whether you believe it or not, I'm sold on the idea, right? Now, I'm not a skeptic anymore. I know that some prophecy is real. I've witnessed it myself. I know some of it is not so real. In fact, if you read Jeremiah 23, you'll find out that there were many people going out prophesying and he sent Jeremiah to say, they're prophets and they're saying, thus says the Lord, when I have not spoken, I haven't said anything. They're false prophets. And I know that's real. Mark Rutland tells a story about this, this pastor. He, went to, uh, he, he invited a guest speaker to his church. And I've told you this story. Some of you haven't heard it, though. And this lady in the church came up and said, I've been praying about this pastor. I don't think you ought to invite him. He said, well, I prayed about it, and he's coming. Well, he introduces the guest speaker. As soon as he steps up into the pulpit, that woman got up, walked up, pointed her finger at him, says, Thus saith the Lord, thou thinkest thou art a humdinger. But thou art not a humdinger, saith God. Thou art just a dinger, saith the Lord. Well, I know some prophecies are not real. Amen. Amen. Anyway, the church busted out laughing. She got mad and left, and they moved on with the service. But this morning, I want to talk about the most famous Father's Day in history. Got you curious, don't I? Uh, the most famous Father's Day in history, and it has to do with prophecy. How many of you ever heard of Dr. David Yonggi Cho? Raise your hand real high. Who, do, who knows who I'm talking about? Dr. David Yonggi Cho. This is somebody you should know. He is the pastor of the largest church in the world in Seoul, Korea. They have more than 900,000 members in this church. And it was birthed out of prayer, a place called Prayer Mountain. It was established in 1973. They've been praying on that mountain 24 hours a day since 1973. That's how they birthed the church. It, it continues in prayer. This is a man of God. And he just happens to be an Assembly of God pastor. We're glad that we can, <laughs> he belongs to us, you know, but he belongs to Jesus, you know, Dr. David Yonggi Cho. In 1993, he was in a service. He had been invited to preach. He speaks in very broken English in Seattle, Washington. He was in prayer and he prayed, God, are you going to send revival to America or is she destined for judgment? God instructed him to take a map of the United States of America and place his finger on it. He said that the spirit led him to take his finger down to the panhandle of Florida. And this is what the Lord spoke to him. And he prophesied this. I am going to send revival to the seaside city of Pensacola and it will spread like a fire until all of America has been consumed by it. That was in 1993, Seattle, Washington. Soon the word spread to Dr. Cho's prophecy. And as it spread and people heard about this, a pastor in Pensacola, Florida, named Ken Summerall, contacted Dr. Cho and said, 
There has been rumor that you have prophesied a great revival in America to begin in Pensacola, Florida. Is there any truth to this? Dr. Cho responded by saying, no rumor, no rumor. Receive vision, revival will come. On April the 12th in 1995, two years later, in the National Convention of the Assemblies of God, it's what we call the General Council Convention, <clears throat> um, Dr. John Hurston, a former associate of Dr. Cho, attested to the fact that two years ago he prophesied revival would break out in Pensacola. At that same convention, the foreign missions director, Lauren Triplett, Triplett, related this vision while Dr. Cho was sitting in the congregation at the general council. He had come over for the general council. He was sitting there and said, yes, it is true. Two years ago, he prophesied that a revival would break out in Pensacola. Now, let me ask you something. Why was that the topic at the general council of the Assemblies of God in 1995? The reason is because on June the 18th, 1995, 20 years ago this Sunday, they're celebrating their 20th anniversary. After two years after Dr. Cho's prophecy, revival did in fact break out in Pensacola. It lasted from 1995 to the year 2003. There were over 200,000 converts registered. That's the ones that re recorded in the Pensacola outpouring. Some people call it the Brownsville revival. There were 200 long-term foreign missionaries were sent out during that eight-year revival. Untold hundreds of ministers spread across this nation like a wildfire. Some of them are here this morning. In fact, your worship leader is a graduate of Brownsville Revival School of Ministry. Brother Hunter, am I right, Hunter? My daughter attended BRSM as a part of that outpouring. I went there myself, and let me tell you, I'll get into it in a minute. My goodness. A leading Pentecostal historian and the dean of Regent University. Laura, that's where you attend, right? That's Pat Robinson School, Pat, that's 700 Club. His name is Vincent Sinan. Is he still there by any chance? Have you heard his name? Look him up, all right? He called the Brownsville Revival the largest local church revival in the history of America. Quote, he said, Brownsville, with its emphasis on conversion and people weeping over conviction of sin, seems to be the revival in the long tradition of America's native revivals dating back to the preaching of Jonathan Edwards. There is a heavy preaching on sin, repentance, conversion, and holiness. Brother, I'm all over that right there. Preaching on repentance, on sin, conversion, and holiness. And there is a lot more weeping and wailing over sin than the so-called exotic manifestations, which the critics were referring to as exotic manifestations. There were manifestations. The emphasis was on repentance. On getting your heart right with God. And it was what made that the most famous Father's Day in history. Because all of this happened on Father's Day. As Steve Hill brought the word in 1,800 people came to the altar for prayer. And the, 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 they, record, they went on record as saying that there felt like the, a rushing wind entered the room where they were. 
John Kilpatrick says, my ankles buckled as if I had no strength in them. And he's like, it was like a pipeline of wind going through my leg. And he said, I fell out under the power and he didn't move the whole day. He laid right there. They tried to get him up and they couldn't get him up because he was completely out under the power of the spirit. Now, why did Ken Summerall write to Dr. Cho and ask him, did you really say this? Because 14 years earlier, Reverend Ken Summerall, Liberty Fellowship Church of God in Pensacola, Florida, prophesied. I want you to hear this. 1979. The time is at hand for a special visitation of the Spirit of God upon you. Heretofore, you have tasted of the good things of my spirit. But compared with the new outpouring, the former things will seem as dew and a flood. Sweeping over my people like a glorious tidal wave, all will be affected. Time will be forgotten as meetings will last for hours. Hearts will be melted as my spirit, like a flame of fire, refines and cleanses. There will be much weeping and sobbing as sin is seen as an exceeding sinful, and as Calvary's love washes them away. Youth. Yes, even the very young will be drunk with new wine and burn with fervor, oblivious to anything and everything but obedience to Jesus. They too will fall in divine awe before my feet, and former rebellions will be cast away. This flame will spread like a forest fire. Prayer will be the main event of the church. Hundreds will be converted. Be prepared to baptize 200 new believers at one service. Homes will be renewed and love will flow like a river. Singles will lose their lust for marriage and be knit together in holy communion. Then my spirit shall guide them in service for me. Some will be led to marry. Others will lose all desire for marriage and be wholly mine to spread the word as they learn that they have learned. Honor my spirit. Yield to him. Hear what he says through my proven prophets. New leaders will be needed as hosts, as a host of new believers will need care. Some leaders who do not respond to my spirit will be swept aside as I move to lift up a standard against the evil one. For those who hear will come a great refreshing, saith the Lord. Be full of my spirit and ready to obey him. I will give a new spirit of discernment to the leaders which will reveal the counterfeit and the fleshly. Walk softly before me and holy awe will prevail. The critics will not be able to hinder. Their words will be swept away before a wave of love and joy. Nor will one man or a few receive glory. I will move upon broken vessels and the fire of my spirit will break out in homes where my people meet who seek my face and walk humbly before me. Old men and young shall rejoice together. Fathers and sons shall glorify me together. Though the evil one shall attempt to hinder, I will give you overcoming faith, and you shall prevail as my spirit is honored and obeyed. He shall cause my name to be lifted up in your midst. That was 14 years before the Pensacola outpouring. That's impressive to me, church. I have to tell you, that is impressive. What marks Pentecost today? There are several things that marks. We are in Pentecost. You understand that. The church was birthed at Pentecost and it will continue until the Feast of Trumpets. 
When God sounds the trumpet and the dead in Christ rise, we're in that period of time. What marks Pentecost today? There's been all kinds of stuff. When you talk about Pentecostals, people get all kinds of pictures in their mind. As a child growing up, when I heard Pentecostal, I was like, those people are nuts. <laughs> right? They're dancing around with rattlesnakes and all kinds of stuff. Them people are crazy. You know what? They were crazy. God never told you to pick up a rattlesnake, brother. <laughs> I'll pick one up after I bash his head in with a shovel or something. It's like Wendy Bagel. Who ever heard of Wendy Bagel and the Sunlighters? You heard of them? <laughs> it was a gospel quartet group. Well, they were invited to one of those churches, and they didn't know it was one of those churches. <laughs> and they walked in, and there were pictures on the foyer of people in caskets. Geraldine, one of the singers, looked at Wendy and said, they must do a lot of funerals in this church. He said, they must do. And so they went in, so they sat down on the front row, and there's another group come in to sing, and they got to singing, boy, and about that time somebody got happy and jumped up and started shouting, and they come out with a big old rattlesnake to take to that person. And said, so they looked at that thing, and, and, and Geraldine looked at Wendy and said, Wendy, where's the back door? He said, I don't think they have one, Geraldine. He said, where do you reckon they want one? <laughs> When he said the woman that invited me said throw down a rattlesnake right at my feet, kicked off her shoe and set her bare foot on that thing's head. He said when that thing hit the floor, I went, whoo! He said they thought I was in the spirit and brought me one. He said, I want you to know I don't have a selfish bone in my body. When they got there with he said, you can give it to Geraldine. <laughs> Uh, said he talked to the lady after said what is all those pictures in that hallway she said that's people that took up the serpent and lost the faith <laughs> he said well I'd be in that crowd right there she said brother Wendy you don't mean to tell me that if the Lord told you to take up the serpent you wouldn't take up the serpent he said well he didn't and I ain't <laughs> Amen. so when you say Pentecostal there's been some nutty stuff out there about Pentecost what marks Pentecost can I tell you, it's the empowering of the Spirit to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Church, he empowers us to take people to the presence of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what marks Pentecost. That's the season that we're in. And there are things that he does. I mean, the gifts of the Spirit, words of discernment, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, I've had those things operate in my life. God shows you something about somebody that there's no way you could know that. And you go to them like, Mark Rutland, was at a, he was invited to preach. And this lady came up and he, he said, the Lord said, tell her you need to pray with her about her daughter. He said, <clears throat> she came for prayer. He's like, man, before I pray with you, he said, I just feel God is saying, I need to pray with you about your daughter. She said, I don't have a daughter. Like real angry and upset. He said, like an idiot. I said, well, are you sure? <laughs> like she didn't have like a miraculous birth she didn't know about, you know. It's like, are you sure? She's like, I don't have a daughter. And she turned and went back to her seat. And he's like, Lord, 
I know that you spoke that to my spirit. What? It's just weird, you know, and said that he had a service to do that night. And he came back, said when he got back, the pastor was in the parking lot. And he was pacing back and forth. He said, oh, Brother Rutland, I'm glad you're here. He said, that lady you talked to this morning, she's in my office and she is a basket case. You got to come talk to her. So he goes in. He's like, what's the matter? She said, well, Dr. Rutland, this morning, when you asked me about my daughter, I told you the truth. I don't have a daughter. She said, my daughter, overweight, bullied by people at school, 15 years of age, stuck a pistol in her mouth and blew her brains out. And before I came to church this morning, I said, God, if you're real, if you really care about me, God, help me deal with this situation with my daughter. And said, when you said that, I just couldn't handle it. God, let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit is here to do things that will just blow your mind if you will open yourself up to be led by the Spirit of God. Those are things that mark Pentecost. But all of that is to serve a greater purpose. It is to take people into the presence of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the purpose of Pentecost. God sent his prophets to foretell of this revival in Pensacola, and it happened just as it was prophesied. It happened on Father's Day, and I don't know. It was as if God was saying, you want to honor the Father? You really want to honor the Father? This is how you do it. Fall on your face and cry out to me. Turn your heart and your life completely over to me. Serve me. Be obedient to me. Be committed to me without question. That's how you honor me. I believe he did it on Father's Day on purpose. Because he was really trying to get a message across to us. This is how you honor the Father. Amen. How do we honor the Father today? How do we honor Jesus Christ? Church, I'm going to tell you something. I don't want to just talk about revival. I want to see revival. I want to be revival. I want it to be alive and I want it to be in our midst. I don't want to just remember things that happened back then. I want to see it. I want to see people on their face before God weeping and praying and crying and seeing chains broke off of people, seeing their hearts healed, their lives transformed by the power of God. That's what I want to see. We've seen it here. I want it to be a place where water is falling on dry ground. We're soaking up that living water. How do we get there? The same place every revival has ever got to that point. We go back to the ancient paths of prayer, worship, and obedience. Prayer, worship, and obedience. That's how you get there. You pray. You worship God. You obey his word. And you'll see an outpouring of his spirit. Duncan Campbell was a revivalist in Scotland. He wrote this. He said, it is one thing to shout about it. It is one thing to sing about it. It is one thing to talk about revival. But give me a people on their faces seeking to be rightly related with God. And when that happens, we will soon know the impact of God realization in our country. End quote. People on their face seeking to be rightly related with God. That's how you get to revival.
It's not about having platforms and microphones and spotlights and it's all about me and being famous. It's about getting your heart right with God. You do that through prayer, worship, and obedience. And when God prophesies something, church, he will perform it. If God said it, he's going to do it. If God said it, he's going to do it. And God prophesied about this place. When I first planted the church here, Brother Bill Smith was the presbyter of this section. The section is just a, it's a area here in Virginia. A presbyter is just a pastor of a church, and he's over that area just to help churches in that area. I'll go into more detail. Go to new members class, and I'll explain it to you. But Bill Smith was a presbyter. He was the pastor of First Assembly of God in Culpeper. Yes, Culpeper. <clears throat> and I met with him and said, uh, Pastor Greg Vogt and myself, pastor of Orange Assembly of God, we met with him at Hardy's right up here in Louisa. And uh, he said, well, tell me your story, Bernie. What? And, and I went through how God had called me and how I came to this area and how that God had led me to go to Bible college in 83 and how I graduated and helped plant a church in Connecticut and we moved back here and we'd served in a church here in the area and all the history of, that had brought us up to this point and how I <clears throat> went to Orange Assembly of God and Pastor Greg voted, had a word of knowledge over us and how he had been praying for God to raise up works in Green and Page and Louisa and Madison counties. That morning in his church, he said, somebody's here and God has put it on your heart to raise up a church in one of these counties. I want to pray for you. We'd never seen that man. He'd never seen me. I walked up and he prayed. So I'm sharing all this with Bill Smith. And Bill looked at me and said this. He said, Bernie, 18 years ago, God told me he was going to raise up a church in Louisa County. This is the time. And you are the man. I know it in my heart. Just like that. Prayer. Bill Smith prayed for this church for 18 years. Greg Vogt had been praying for this work. He didn't know how it was going to come to pass. And one of the services before we planted the church, we would go visit Orange off and on a couple of times. And he said, Brother Bernie, CVAG, Central Virginia Assembly of God, we named it by then. He said, it will not be a community church. That's why we don't have community church on the sign out there. You see a lot of community churches? He said, it'll be a regional church. He said, it will be like the hub of a wheel. And like the spokes go in every direction, people will come from everywhere to attend your church. My daughter, Charity, sitting back there. Wave at me, babe. She went to lunch with a fellow student at BRSM. Her pastor from Wisconsin, was it Wisconsin, came down and took them all out to lunch. They're just sitting there eating lunch and whatever. He's pastoring a huge church in Wisconsin. He sent word back to her friend who shared it with charity. Or no, it was her mom called and said, the pastor stopped in the middle of his sermon this Sunday. He stopped in the middle of his sermon and he said, there is a church, a little church in Virginia and I, I don't remember all verbatim what he said. He said, but there's a little church in Virginia and said, God is going to do a suddenly in that church. He's going to do a suddenly in that church. 
And then he stopped and went right back to preaching. Church, if that was God, it's going to happen. You hear me? Like Dr. Jung Yi said, no rumor, no rumor. God gave vision. It will come. If God spoke it, it's going to happen. God put some things in my heart. He said, you will have a global effect. Even though you're a tiny entity on the earth, you will have a global effect that will reach from horizon to horizon and from pole to pole. The sermons have gone out from this church to Afghanistan, to Kuwait. I've been preaching all over the world and I've never left Virginia. Global effect. I didn't know how that was going to happen. They were sending my CDs to people in the army in Afghanistan and, and in Iraq. And they're getting groups of men around together and listening to Pastor B preach. Can you believe? I'm like, glory to God. It's coming to pass like the Lord showed me. I was standing in our backyard before we ever even planted the church. My brother-in-law, Scotty, you'll have to meet him, brother. He's the, he's the last of a dying breed. He's an old mountain man. And he's into all kinds of stuff. How many of you know Uncle Scotty? You know who I'm talking about. He is a special person now. He came up and he had a little medicine bottle with water in it. And he had been panning for gold out in the creek. And he found a flake of gold. That was pretty cool, you know. I shook that thing out of my look and you said gold flipped back down. I was like, that is cool, man. You found that in a creek around here? It's like, yeah. And I shook it up and the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. He said, Bernie, every piece of gold on this earth is still right here and I know where every piece is. I will supply your needs. Don't worry about your finances. And I stood on that. I'm like, God's going to pay the bill, brother. Amen? God's going to pay the bill. And he has. I, the finances that have, we, we've, we've needed and has come through the doors of our church is nothing beyond supernatural. And, and a lot of you are the reason for that. You're obedient to the Lord to give, and God's blessed you. You know, a lot of people are like, well, I'm struggling. If I hadn't to give that money, well, what happened if you hadn't to give that money? Where would you be? And I'm not going to talk about money. I never do. Amen? How many times have I preached about money? Be honest. You probably count them on one hand in 15 years. God will take care of that. I, and somebody rebuked me for that, said you should teach on tithing, Pastor, so people understand. But I don't know. It's just a move on, jump to rabbit. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to close up here. Somebody said, thank God. <laughs> Some of the things that God has prophesied over our church has already happened. We have brought a degree of revival to this area already. I know that more than most people. And I, I don't, please forgive me if it sounds like I'm throwing stones. I don't mean to. But I was in the hierarchy, the interworking of ministry on a higher level in this community for almost a decade. And I can tell you, we needed revival in Central Virginia. I'm just going to put it that way. We needed revival in the churches. That's why I've prayed for almost 27 years. God, pour out your spirit in all the churches. Pour out your spirit in all the churches. I'd like to see the, the most diest, deadest, driest. I mean, there's some churches, God, help them. They're dead as last year's bird nest. I'm serious. If the Holy Spirit came in, they'd give him a visitor's card. I would love to see that church so on fire for Jesus. It flipped upside down. People filled with the Spirit, burning with a passion for Jesus. I'm, t I'm serious.
We've prayed for that. I still pray for that. And I've seen small degrees of that. I, I, I better not say that. I don't say that. All right, let's move on. I've seen God answer some of those prayers, church. But let me tell you something. What we have seen thus far is small, minutely small compared to what we're going to see God do. Amen? How many of you believe with me for that? It's small compared to what we're going to see God do. We look at the good things that he's done and not the bad. Because, I mean, look, we've done things. I've done some of the stupidest things. We're frail human vessels. Do you understand? Every leader God has ever called is a frail human vessel with all kinds of weaknesses and, and shortcomings. Nobody does it right all the time. Some of us do it right very little of the time. and Some of us get it right once in a while. I've done some dumb things. Every leader has. Don't look at those things. Look at what God has done. Look at the lives that's been transformed by the power of God. How God has touched your lives. We can so quickly look at a big old white sheet. If there's a little dot on there, what do you see? The dot. We, never mind the whole sheet is white. All I see is that dot. Oh, there's a dot on there. How'd that dot get on there? We need to get that dot off. That's a dotty shirt. It's got spots and blemishes. <laughs> you know, it's, what's wrong with us that we do that? We just do. There are imperfections. John Wesley said, be sure no revival is without flaws, but we err tragically if we permit the shortcomings of men to eclipse the glory of God. Look at what God's done. And just by faith, believe with me, it's small compared to what he's going to do. Amen. Amen. Be sure God is going to do great things here, church. The last quote is Jonathan Edwards. He said, when God is about to do a mighty new thing, he always sets his people praying. How many of you will pray with me? My dad's Bible. Oh. How many would pray with me and believe God for great things for the Central Virginia area? Not just our church. I want to see God pour out his spirit like a wildfire. I believe some of the fire of Pensacola came here. I do. The first two years, three years that we were, we didn't have, I played a guitar and sang. That was the worship team. Oh, brother, we needed help. Amen. And then Pat Champion, he was my sound man. He sat up here on the booth with me and he hid behind the, the what do you call it, the uh, palms. We had palm bushes and he slid that thing over so he could hide behind it because he was bashful, shy. He was my sound man and we'd put on Lindell Cooley, the worship leader of Brownsville, and play his CD and we'd sing along with it and Brother God would move. Amen. How many of you remember some? Some of you were here and you remember that. Huh? Happy song. That guy cut loose on that harmonica, boy, I'd get, woo, get happy. I've been happy ever since. Praise God. Small things compared to what God's going to do. I want to see God pour out his spirit. I really do. I really do. We're going to return to the ancient paths of prayer, worship, and obedience. 
If you believe that and you agree with it, won't you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. Jesus, we love you, God. Oh, Lord, we love you. We love your word. We love your people. God, there's, they ask me, Lord, they ask me when I sit for my ordination, what is the thing that blesses you the most? Lord, I told them is to see a life that is messed up, transformed by the power of God. That, that blesses me. To see you take our lives, God, and mold us and shape us into something beautiful, something useful, and something good. And Lord, you've done that in the lives of so many people sitting here today. And sometimes, God, we, it's kind of like a child that's growing. We see them grow every day, and we don't recognize their growth because we're there all the time. And somebody that's away, they come and say, wow, how, my, how you have grown. Lord, may we be like the visitor visiting our own Christian experience and say, my, look at how you have grown and realize what you've done in our life, God. But also realize, God, that there's so much more that you are planning to do and that you want to do. God, may we yield our hearts and our bodies, our lives, our time, God, our finances, Lord, our abilities, our everything, our gifts, God, everything to the working of your ministry. God, that we would serve you and minister for you each and every day, everywhere that we go. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, if there's a person here today, God, then their heart is not right with you. Lord, this morning, we talked about the most important thing is to be on our face before you, God, and to be rightly related to you. So, God, if there's a person here today and their heart is not right with you, God, I don't have to beat them over the head with what they're doing or what they've done or where they've been or how they're behaving. They know it better than anybody, God. Father, may you let them realize that they need to turn from the depths of the sin that they're in, God, and return to you, Lord. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Lord, you said if the, if the righteous scarcely be saved, where will the sinners and the ungodly be? Father, we need to repent of our sin, God, and be right before you, Lord. So, Father, if there's somebody here this morning, God, and their heart is not right with you, God, may you draw them by your spirit right now. Lord, just touch their heart, Lord, that they would just fall on their face before you and say, God... I want to make things right with you. I don't, want to, I don't want to displease you. I want to honor my Father today through my obedience, through my love, and through my life. In Jesus' name. Just deal with hearts right now, God. Deal with each heart, Father. God, we thank you for the work that you did in Pensacola, Lord, and what you've done in churches throughout the country, Lord, throughout the ages, Lord, not just Brownsville, but Lord, many churches you've visited by your spirit, God. The Great Awakening, Lord, the Cambridge Revival, Lord, Azusa Street. Father, you've poured your spirit out so many times. Do it again, God. Do it again, Lord. We want to see your spirit poured out here, Father. Pour out your spirit, God. 
We pray in Jesus' name. Now, Father, before we leave this day, Father, I speak a blessing over your people. I bless them, God. I bless their home. God, may it be a a refuge from the world, Lord, a place where you're honored, God, a place where you're loved and you're respected, Lord, a place where the Holy Spirit would feel welcome. God, I pray that you would strengthen the home, God. Make men fathers today, God. Make them godly fathers, leaders in their home. Lord, I think about the young man that walked in Charleston, South Carolina, and shot eight people to death, Lord. And his statement was, I almost didn't do it because they were so nice to me. And I had to think, Lord, did his father ever take him to church, God? Did he, had he ever even been in a church before? Father, bless the fathers today that have the strength, the fortitude, God, to stand and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And they raise up their family in the nurture and the admonition of God. Bless them, Father. And Father, if there, there's men today, God, that are not leading their house like that, transform their heart, God. Give them, God, just give them a relationship with you that would help them to rise up and take their place as the high priest in their home. Then bring the children, the family, to obedience to your word, God, submission to your authority. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to dismiss you, but if you're here this morning and you need prayer, maybe something's troubling you, I'm going to stay at the front. I want to pray for you. Maybe you're that person that, I don't know, just as I was praying, I was like, God, if there's somebody that just needs to get things right with you, may they do that today. Maybe you're that person. I'd like to pray with you. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you are blessed and encouraged by it. Central Virginia Assembly of God is located on 5052 Cross County Road, Mineral, Virginia, 23117. If you would like more information about the church, visit us at centralvaag.org or call 804-514-2413. We would love to hear from you. God bless.